Matrix Has You at Hello is the name of the show that we're doing today. It's me, Crystal, <laughs> and with me is Luke. Are you saying this is MCU Completes Me Presents The Matrix Has You at Hello? Yes, that's correct. We're doing a mini-series. Yeah, a mini-series about The Matrix. Okay. And I brought in an expert. Oh, no. I brought in a, a certified PhD in Wachowski's <laughs> Mallory. Uh, hi. If we get anything wrong, we, they can blame it on you, right? Please do. I would love to have people at me. <laughs> I, as I'm recording this, I'm, I'm a little bit sick. I'm a little bit loopy. So I'm counting on y'all to pick up the slack. Would you say you're not entirely sure if you're awake or dreaming? <laughs> yeah, a little bit like that. All right, well then I think this is gonna go just fine. <laughs> Mallory, we have we have a spreadsheet. Do you wanna do you wanna be on the spreadsheet? That, that's a lot of. I have listened to those spreadsheets. It's so much ranking. Uh, it's it's a lot of movies. Bits.ly slash Marvel GPA. I'm imagining having an opinion on Iron Man 1 and I feel tired. <laughs> you don't have to be on the spreadsheet if you don't want to. Uh, I, I would feel bad not to do it because I am on so good at all. Okay, well, what's your opinion on Iron Man? Iron Man is a, a C film. It is an average film. The Incredible Hulk is a C plus because I encourage creativity and thinking with a better. Oh no, wrong, wrong Hulk. Oh, shoot, you're right. Yeah, we haven't done the good Hulk yet. Okay, uh, I, I don't think I've ever, like, I've seen the end of this film. It's the only MCU film I haven't seen for some reason. I mean, is the first MCU film I watched. For some reason, my dad got it in DVD when I was a kid, and so I watched it a bunch without the context of the first Iron Man movie or the, like, knowledge of the Avengers of the series. Strange movie to really fall in love with, but, you know, I think I have to give it a beat. Thor, a, a genuinely good film, B-plus, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, a film I genuinely enjoy a lot, mostly associated with my dad's terrifying quote which is I like it because he's a soldier and therefore doesn't feel bad about killing people. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Yeah, he's like I don't think about it. Killing's okay. Which I was thinking about a lot with the like honesty of that compared to other superhero movies and then the amount that uh, in the Matrix they're just like, Yeah, we'll kill a dude. Yeah, they have a whole speech about like, listen, yeah, we're trying to free these people, but if we gotta fucking kill them, well, them's the breaks. Now, more specifically in The Matrix, they do kill police officers. That is, well, and security guards, yeah. Police officers are one type of, I know these who work security guards for like hours. That's a normal thing. Yeah. Yeah, but in, in, the, in the version where The Matrix is a transgender allegory, allegory uh, the, those are the security guys who, like, grab your balls when you're going through the airport. So they they get shot. Okay, TSA agents are cops. I can, I can accept this. But they're not at the airport. They're at, like, an office building. Uh, in the Matrix, TSA agents are in every office building. I see. Okay, okay. <laughs> Iron Man 3, a film I like an irresponsible amount. Do you like this? About the Avengers one. Oh, the Avengers one. Uh, mediocre film. Ooh, spicy. Yeah, that is the worst grade anyone's given that one. I might not have seen it in a while, but every time I think back on it, I think about how much time we spent with Loki having conversations with, like, Black Widow. Yeah. 
And then how much Joss Whedon was looking up in the dictionary for archaic slurs against women. Very true. The Winter Soldier, the movie where we have really bad calls. Or not even that, where we, like, abdicate the responsibility of actually having a face of security culture and just, like, nod at it. I think that is as good as the Avengers movie, right? No, what about Thor 2, The Dark World? Thor 2, The Dark World. Uh, that does have... I can remember his name. I will give it a higher grade. Uh, <laughs> Curse? Malekith? Malekith was what I was going for, and I wasn't going to get it, because I was thinking of uh, Ronan, the antagonist <laughs> from a completely different film. Sucks for you to at the Dark World. No, that makes sense. Those are basically the same character. Uh, yeah, see, Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I mean, I, I kind of like Drew. What about all those jamming 60s tunes? I had to listen to Teenage Boys Workout Spirit in the Sky for years after this movie. No, fuck this. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see. What's the lowest grade song? The D plus? Yeah, I can get a D plus for making me listen to Spirit in the Sky that much. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame you. Age of Ultron. I am also a robot with no strings on me. A minus. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. You finally got an Ultron friend, Crystal. I- I'm here for you. So hold it. You actually quite like the fights. Maybe the only one that I enjoy the different fights. I feel like there's a lot of creative out. I will give it a uh, What about Ant-Man? Polyamorous uh, icon. Uh, all right. You're saying Ant-Man's kind of a B-movie. Uh, if I must. Dr. Strange is a cool end. Why the fuck isn't isn't that scene ever in the like Marvel cinematography four pictures Twitter posts? Because it's not like a scene of a guy shooting a laser. And I think also too, like if I'm being slightly more fair, the full effect of it is the light changing color, which you can't convey in a single shot. Yeah, but you can convey shitty looking CGI in a single shot. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. Black Panther. Uh, Black Panther is a, a good movie where you have to friends with the AA. Yeah. Plus I will say generally, Mallory, I'm surprised how positive you've been towards the MCU. I have a lot of good feelings about the MCU that it doesn't deserve, especially older films when I mostly remember watching them when I was a little child. That makes sense. You were the target yeah. audience. Yeah. Uh, like, at, at my worst feelings are about Captain Marvel because the amount I watched that one and saw it, I was like, oh, this is an ad to join the Air Force with some right. weird stuff where they weren't allowed to commit to the fact that she was very clearly in love with that woman. Yeah. Uh, like, I would, I think I like that movie less because of the fact that it was clearly written out or alluded to so heavily. How, how about uh, Avengers 3 Infinity War? Find that movie there. 
I'm think I'm just thinking of Peggy Hill saying, in my opinion, Avengers Endgame is three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> Avengers Infinity War is only fifteen minutes longer than The Matrix. I would not believe that if you just asked me. Avengers Infinity War is no fucking the Matrix. <laughs> if you think Avengers Infinity War is better than The Matrix, then you're wrong. Uh, then you have a six-figure salary making YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah. How is uh, Ant-Man 2, Mallory? Ant-Man 2 and the Law, the movie that brought about my, like, somewhat sincere insistence that Ant-Man is at quite a No, they kind of are. I'm, I'm on your side. And, like, slowly realizing that in a theater with my friend is kind of one of my more favorite movie-going experiences, like, ever. I, I think I want to give that a B-plus just for, like, what a wild choice that was. How's Avengers 4, the end game? I very much like that it opens with them killing Sam, and then I progressively like the rest of the film less. I just remembered that they write in uh, the director being... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they do write in the director being a homosexual. I-, I wasn't going to say that dirty thing on your podcast, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that movie gets a uh, for stealing queer valor. You know, The Eternals has Marvel's, like, fourth first queer character. Wait, who are all the first queer characters in Marvel? Obviously we have... Okay, so that there's Gage Russo. Yes, right. Uh, there's Valkyrie. Right, Valkyrie. I forgot Valkyrie. Uh, there was... Okay, so there was a trans student in Spider-Man Far From Home that was cut from the movie. Okay, I don't think that counts. <laughs> um... I don't know, there's a gay guy on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season 3. Okay, great. Ooh, there is, this was, uh, I'm assuming why we're watching the Matrix, because the lesbian lawyer from uh, Jessica Jones is crazy. That's true, Jessica Jones does have a lot of gay characters who are all extremely rich. Okay, okay. Yeah, I have not seen Jessica Jones. And then the, the the Malcolm from Jessica Jones goes to the like the gay Indian lawyer and is like, no, but homophobia is not real anymore. You should just come out to your family. Oh boy! Oh boy! I'm so sad those aren't standards just because I want them to have to like reconcile the choices made in those very bad television shows. I mean, with them going all, like, multiverse now, maybe they're wrapping around to making them canon in a different reality. So they can just excise uh, Iron Fist? Yeah, exactly. And then they can just bring, like, Daredevil into the mainline MCU and Jessica Jones in because people liked those shows and just ignore the ones no one liked. Poor Luke Cage. You weren't that bad that you came out after uh, Iron Fist. No, it came out before Iron Fist. No, you're right. I just kind of remember Luke Cage coming and going with nobody really... Everyone just kind of shrugging. The thing that made Luke Cage dumb is that it, Luke Cage's power is that he has unbreakable skin. He's bulletproof. Right. So the way that the villains overcome this is that they just invent a better bullet. That's so boring. We <laughs> do have violent superhero sex in that show. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the uh, the late Netflix show I really watched was Daredevil, and even that I kind of fell off of. But they definitely had, like, more violence in it than you're allowed to do in, like, the main MCU stuff. It'd be weird to see them, like, embrace that side of shit again. Mallory, what's your thoughts on Spider-Man Far From Home? I'm trying to think of uh, if there is, like, a young boy version of the girl box, but I think that... <laughs> 
because that's kind of, like you're supposed to like him because he's young and uh stuff. And it has very girl boss like this is progressive vibe in spite of the fact that once again he does color drone down on friends. Uh, I, I also I do like the serial, you know, being like actors. That's a good bit. Have you seen any of the Phase 4 films? Uh, I have not. Okay, Mallory, now this is a very important question. I want you to think very hard about this so that you don't get cancelled. Ah! Are you excited for the Eternals? The issue is kind of, yeah. It seems like the first, like, <laughs> actually silly superhero they've done in it. And I, I'm kind of, like, as excited as I can be for a Marvel movie at this point. That's fair. Okay, good. You you will not be cancelled. I, I wish I could be mean or genuinely, but, like... <laughs> The only opinion about the Eternals I have at all is all those comic panels going around of the Jack Kirby Eternals look so much better. Why Why did they decide color was illegal? Uh, it might overall be Legalize colors. That's all I'm saying. No, you need decriminalize color. You don't want the government to be allowed to regulate our color. Ah! No, that's true. That's true. You're so right. Mallory, we also have a bunch of bonus films. Uh, what's your numerical... I like that, like, two movies ago, Mallory very uh, elegantly pivoted away from Marvel towards the Matrix. And then you just keep hammering her with more movies to grade. We have to finish the spreadsheet. No, I, I am on I'm on Crystal's side. I did a bad job at the pivot. So Venom is an A-plus film. Uh, perfect no-notes. Spider-Man, Spider-Verse, ah, ah, like my second favorite film ever. Like, very good. Fantastic. I've never seen Jerry Maguire. First Spider-Man film, uh, I, I had on VHS, watched the lot when I was very young. I remember uh, having nightmares about Green Goblin. It was very silly, considering what a fun he is. Yeah, Willem Dafoe. There's a lot of, turns out actors are sometimes famous in Gary Monson. Very interesting. I think that, uh, anyway. Because, uh, the way Peter approaches Mary Jane is still not okay. Even if, uh, like that. Spider-Man 2. It has Dr. Ross and Amy okay. Spider-Man 3. It has Venom. Uh, he doesn't even have one fun conversation with uh, Spider-Man. And finally, last but not least, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark 2.0 full recording, full HD Broadway. Uh, C- because I don't want them to repeat class. <laughs> They murdered enough actors first go round. Okay, that means we're done with the prelude. Now we can talk about the freaking Matrix. The Matrix, baby. Luke, why did you want to talk about the Matrix? Uh, well, the ma- the original reason I want to talk about the Matrix is because it just I think it came up for unrelated reasons when we were talking about Jerry Maguire, and I thought, well, you know, Neo kind of they call him Superman in the second one. He's technically a superhero, which makes these superhero movies, which means we could talk about them someday, maybe. No, not anytime soon, obviously. Uh, and you kind I convinced you of that. And then the Matrix 4 trailer came out, and I don't want to speak for you, but I was very excited about it. Actually, I will speak for you. You were clearly pretty uh, up about it, too, because it was your suggestion, hey, what if we try to do the Matrix movies before the Matrix 4 comes out? And I was like, sure, yeah, I'll talk about the Matrix movies. Good time. Uh, actually, I, th- I didn't care for that trailer very much, but I do want to talk about the Matrix movies. Yeah, maybe I'm on that phone too much. That, yeah, there's some things in that trailer that, like, I, that movie might be bad, but I'm excited to see it even if it is bad at this point. Oh, yeah, me too. 
can't wait. I will like I will either have a great time watching a great Matrix movie or I'll have a great time shitting on a Matrix movie, which is like half of what liking Matrix movies is about anyway. But you're a bit, you're a big Matrix head, Luke. I was a huge Matrix head when I was like 13, 14, or maybe even slightly younger. I'm blanking on when exactly these movies came out. Um, I saw this first one as like a slightly too young kid because it came out when I was like like eight. And I was just like visiting family and one of my cousins had like set it up in the basement and the older kids were all watching it. And, uh, you know, if the younger kids uh, happen to see it when they're really not supposed to be watching R-rated movies, well, you know, that's not our fault. And uh, I don't even think I saw it from like beginning to end then, but it was definitely very like, I don't know what I'm even looking at. This is nuts. They're doing all kinds of fancy karate and gun violence. Um, and then I was, like, very hyped up to go see the second one when it came out. Uh, I went with my dad, who I liked the second one a lot, and my dad had the reaction that, like, general audiences had to that second one. He was like, that was not good. That sucked. You liked that? Okay. Uh. And, uh, by, like, the time the third one came out a few months later, he was like, no, I'm not going to that. I hated that second movie. Uh, so I just went with a friend. Um, I think my dad, like, dropped us off and bought the tickets for us because we weren't old enough to watch an R-rated movie yet alone. Um, and then we watched it, and I was kind of eh on the third one. Um, I still liked it. I was like, I that's kind of where I stopped getting into it, though. Like, I wasn't, like, I never got super into, like, the MMO or anything like that. Um, but I liked those movies a lot. I liked the Animatrix a lot. I liked all the Newgrounds Matrix parodies <laughs> a lot. Um, and then, I don't know, it just kind of faded away as I got into other stuff as I got older. Mallory, what's your history and relationship with The Matrix? Uh, Matrix, uh, my dad showed it to me while I was homesick in kindergarten, about six years old. <laughs> and it became, like, one of the movies he just let me watch all the time. It gave me, like, wicked nightmares first, but I also was obsessed with it. <laughs> I would not show a six-year-old that scene with the worm going into the belly button. Oh, no. Just the whole movie. The waking up, like, naked in a, like, slime pod. Yeah. I told my dad it gave me nightmares, but he told me is the only Matrix movies that gave me nightmares were the sequel, but that's just because they were bad. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> He also, like, I then asked him to see the sequels, and he said no. <laughs> Fuck. That's a weird dude. I, I, too, saw The Matrix when I was six years old. It's it's probably not the first movie I ever saw, but it's the first movie I remember seeing. Man. Very, very influential on me. Yeah, it shaped my brain at, uh, at a malleable age. Watched it many, many times. Loved The Matrix Reloaded, and on Matrix Revolutions as well. I think I hit a point where I eventually absorbed the overall opinion that the Matrix sequel sucked, and I, like, agreed with it, and then as time continued to go, and I was like, no, I liked those when I saw them, I think people were wrong. Like, I hear, I get why people are mean to them, they got weird shit about them, but I think they might be good, actually. At least the second one, third one I'm less sure about. The Matrix is the best they have been as directors. Yeah, I I would have to stand up for Speed Racer in that regard, but I mean the Matrix it's no slouch. I I, I would personally defend Bound, but like I think as far as doing directory stuff, PM, CR, uh, I, I think the Matrix is really their best for that. 
Yeah, the Wachowskis are definitely directors where, like, you understand, oh, this is what it means when, like, a director has a style. You can, oh, the, I get the, what it means that this is a Wachowski movie as opposed to just some other movie. Yeah, I was really surprised with that while watching Bound, how much it felt like the first half of The Matrix. Yeah, I've never seen Bound. Is that good? It's pretty good. Hmm, okay. Might have to check that out. How do you feel about, like, the the Wachowskis' overall output, like, beyond the Matrix? What's our overall feeling on, like, Jupiter Ascending in here? I am for Jupiter Ascending. It likes the Matrix as a princess movie, and I'm into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Sense8 gets away with being wildly problematic because they came out as trans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a recurring thing with the Wachowskis. Yeah, yeah. Wacha- the Wachowskis are uh, kind of... They are very rich and very white, and that informs a lot of stuff that comes out of them. It's a little noticeable, even in this movie. A bit, yeah. Yeah, it's not as bad as it gets in, like, you know, Cloud Atlas. But, yeah, they're, um, they sure are white people. <laughs> they, they have said some shit. I love a lot of their movies, and I think I kind of hate them as people. You know what's a good flick is the superhero origin film The Matrix. Yeah, yeah. I, en- I enjoyed watching this movie uh, the other day. Do you, do you feel like it is it is a, is a transgender allegory? That's a really subversive take. I hadn't considered that. <laughs> okay, so here's, here's the thing to me. Previously, I was a person who was like, eh, you know, if you squint at it, it's a little trans, but I feel like people are exaggerating it. And then two watches ago, I watched it while high, and I was like, oh yeah, this is dripping with transgenderism in every scene. And then when I watched it for this show, I'm like, okay, let's step back from that a little bit. There's a reason that Republicans also like this movie. It's because it is it is more broadly about, like, social alienation. And you could also extend that to, like, ah, wake up and see that QAnon is real or whatever. But there are still specific scenes that feel trans to me, which I will bring up in our discussion. For sure. Like, disclaimer that I am cis, but... It feels to me like it is very vague and generalized, kind of like what you were saying, in ways that you can very easily project a trans narrative onto it, and it tracks and it makes sense. I think there's a lot of other kinds of narratives you can project onto it that make sense uh, at least as well. And uh, some of them are really rancid and terrible. And like, you know, people always make fun of like MRAs for missing the point of the Matrix. Like, ah, they're out here talking about being red pills. They don't even get what that movie's about. No, you can kind of read like any kind of metaphor for secret oppression that you want into this movie. And like, I think the intention is that it's more of like a capitalism patriarchy thing. But like, if a if a white supremacist saw it as like, oh, this is all about like, you know, a, a conspiracy of minorities running everything secretly, you know, there's room for that. Neo decides that he is a person gets to make decisions and this validated because he is the one. Yeah, and also the decisions he makes is to get a bunch of guns and go shoot up a public building. That's, while there may be trans allegory, that is where it stumbles most, that it has to resolve in action. Right. Now, that all that said, the first line of text in the film is, Call trans operator received. <laughs> that is true, that's right, I'm looking at it right on the screen. No, I take it all back. Put that on the symbolism and <laughs> film Twitter account. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah, it's just a voiceover of Trinity and Cypher talking over lines of numbers. And random Japanese characters. 
Yep, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, because I don't know if you know this about the Wachowski sisters, but they fucking love anime. And uh, sometimes they just, you know, include um, Asian iconography because they like anime and for no other reason with no additional thought behind it than that. This is a movie about how the weebs have to rise up. It's, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> the revolutionary class is uh, trans transgender hacker weebs. Uh-huh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Cypher's, Cypher's trying to contact the agents, but Trinity walks in because she wants to take a shift because she's restless. Shift doing what? I don't know. She's hacking. Right. She's doing. Yeah, I don't totally understand, like, what their day-to-day looks like when they're looking for, like, they're trying to f- seek out people that might be the one, or at the very least might be, dis- like, have enough of a mental disconnect from the Matrix that they can be unplugged safely. The mental disconnect thing. Do you think they are when they pull them out? Of- because they say they don't usually pull people past a certain age because it's dangerous. I would assume, like, teenager at the oldest. Yeah, I mean, we, we see the kids at the endocrinologist's office. <laughs> oh, that's true. I guess that is the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are kids that they're looking to pull. Yeah, you're right. You're right. When they took Trinity out, he has passed the Pentagon, right? Yeah, or like the IRS database or something like that. That's true, yeah. She does say that was a long time ago. Maybe she was like a child prodigy hacker. Uh, it, this comes in later when I looked up how old Keanu Reeves is supposed to be in this film. And it's somewhere between 28 and 37. If I had to guess, I'd say it is 33, the age of Jesus Christ, because this movie's not subtle. <laughs> What makes you think that there's a Jesus Christ allegory going on here, Luke? Uh, maybe it's that one of the very first lines of the movie is that you're my savior, savior, my own personal Jesus Christ, which a man (laughs) says to Thomas Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) I like these cops that are, like, coming up on Trinity's, uh, hacking room that, like, obviously it's a thing everyone talks about, that all the lighting in the Matrix is super green. I like that their flashlights are green light. I think maybe we're watching different different versions because I'm watching the de-greenified version. Oh, okay. Because the in the original theatrical version, it was not so greenified. But then oh. in like the original DVD releases, they put a green filter on it to make it more like the sequels. And then they finally took that out in like the recent reissue. Okay, I'm watching whatever version is on HBO Max because I get that for free with my internet provider. Uh, yeah, Trinity's, Trinity's, Trinity's fucking cool. I always forget that this movie begins with an extended sequence of Trinity being cool. Yeah, it's like a bunch of cops corner her with guns. She has no apparent weapons. It seems like, oh, they just got her. But then it cuts down to the street where the agents show up and they're just like, oh, Sergeant, your men are already dead. Like, oh shit, what? And then she does the coolest kick ever, except it feels less cool now because it's been parodied 800,000 times. The kick from the movie Shrek. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we could do a whole episode of The Matrix Has You at Hello that's just Matrix parodies in popular culture. I think we could probably do uh, a, a miniseries within a miniseries about that. I think there's too many Matrix parodies to fit in one episode. <laughs> that Matrix parody being the code name Kids Next episode. Yes. Yeah, because that one goes deep. It's just a rewriting of the second Renaissance. <laughs> But no, I like that, like, the kick she does here where she, like, jumps up in the air and, like, strikes a pose and kicks him is a cool kick. But the reason you know that she has superpowers is because of the way the kick is filmed in this crazy impossible way where the camera rotates around her as she freeze frames. Like, she doesn't, like, if it was just shot normally, she just did a big jump and kicked him. You'd be like, oh, shit. But you wouldn't think that she's, like, a superhero. You'd think she was just really good at karate. 
They're using visual language. And it's like, it's only visual language. Like, the reason she is superpowered is because of how she is filmed. And I like that. It's neat. And then she murders a bunch of cops. But Trinity gets away, but that's okay, because the agents have learned that Cypher is a reliable informant. And uh, right. their next target is this guy named Tommy Anderson. Um, we also get the, like, preview of how they get in and out of the Matrix through uh, landline telephones, which I love. Of Like, she has to, like, get to the phone booth before he crushes it with a semi-truck. They shot this person with most of their initial budget and then went back to Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, now can we have more money for the rest of the film? because <laughs> yeah, it is nuts that they got to make a movie this big after making bound which i'm pretty it's like an indie movie practically right and then you have this one with like a bunch of like crazy puppeteering and like super bleeding edge cgi and they were able to hire like a really famous fight choreographer yeah but now this is like the marvel formula which is that you direct like one well-received indie film and then marvel gets you to get their next movie that is true yeah 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 um, and then, yeah, the camera zooms into one of the holes in the mouthpiece of the phone and, like, travels through the internet to Neo's computer. One thing I love about this movie, I'm so glad this got made now, it w- got made when it did instead of, like, five or six years later, because the internet is still very, like, analog in some ways in 1999. Like, it's all connected to, like, landline telephones in a way that just, I love the the vibe of this movie because of that. Look, they're hacking with radio waves later. It's great. Uh, Neo fell asleep at his computer, which is running some kind of automated search through the internet for a guy, for, for Lawrence Fishburne and cool glasses. I can't fucking believe they didn't get Lawrence Fishburne for The Matrix 4. I, yeah, that is baffling to me to the point where I am half wondering if they are just keeping that under their hat and he's gonna, like, show up at in, like, the third act twist or something, you know? It just seems unbelievable to me that they would leave him out. He Like, if you're making The Matrix 4, the first person you call is Keanu Reeves. The second person you call is Lawrence Fishburne. No, I'm, I'm saying you call Lawrence Fishburne before Keanu Reeves. Yeah. If you, have to, if you have to lose Neo to get Morpheus, you lose Neo. Neo's dead anyway. I think I agree with you other than the only reason. I think the only reason Matrix 4 is getting made is because of John Wick and people love Keanu Reeves again. That's true. But no, I, I agree with you. Like, he is such an important part of these movies, and I don't get why they would leave him out. It makes no sense. Well, he did get shot in an alley in The Matrix Online. Right, people were... <laughs> people keep joking about that being why. Neo explodes at the end of Matrix 3, and t- Trinity gets impaled on, like, a power cable. Clearly dying is not something that stops you from Matrix resurrecting. I did look up what he was doing to get killed in the Matrix Reload, or in the Matrix Reload game. Apparently it's being a domestic terrorist. He, like... I mean, that tracks. ...starts going in the Matrix and sending off these things called code bombs that reveal that everything around people is code because he is playing hardball to bring Neo back. Oh, okay. So I think that he might have successfully brought Neo back, and they I can see the Wachowskis being great enough that they're like, no, video games canon, sorry. I don't know. We'll see, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I do think you're right, but I also, like, a little bit of me is hopeful that they have committed this wild choice of making the video game. Yeah. Well, doesn't the video game also imply, though, that Neo gets reincarnated as a woman? Yes, that's correct. But the uh, the game shut down before they could uh, resolve that storyline. Do you remember her name, though? It's like an anagram of Thomas Anderson. 
I don't remember her name, but it's something. Yeah. Anyway, Neo uh, sells a ROM of Super Mario 64 to this guy ah! for $2,000. And because his computer <laughs> told him to follow the White Rabbit, and uh, Du Jour has a White Rabbit tattoo, he follows him to the club where he meets Trinity. <laughs> I do love that too. Yeah, the the guy he's like selling a sketchy computer disc to. Again, he tells him, "Oh, oh, you're my savior, man. My own personal Jesus Christ." Anyway, yeah, you seem strung out. I think you just need to unplug because this is the least subtle movie ever. And then yeah, you go. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, maybe you're right." Hard smash cut to Dracula. <laughs> it's so funny. This is like a Back to the Future thing where there's a rave in every one of these movies, usually for no real reason. I guess the, the Reloaded justifies it, but not so much this and the third one. Does Reloaded justify it? Yeah, you gotta show that, you know, that's, that's what Zion is. I guess you're right, yeah, you need to show, like, this is what we're fighting for. This real rave as opposed to the bad fake race. Yeah, exactly. We These raves break into orgies, not like those ones in The Matrix. But yeah, well, at the rave, he gets approached by Trinity, uh, and he's like, oh, I, th- I always thought you were a guy. Most guys do. That's that's the trans line. Yeah. It's one of yeah, the trans that usually, ones. Uh, that's, that's one a lot of folks do, for sure. Put one on the board for trans allegory. Uh-huh. <laughs> then, yeah, this seems a little weird because Trinity tells him, uh, you know, I know you're searching for Morpheus. I know you're wondering what the Matrix is. Anyway, bye. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. And then he just wakes up late for work and he gets told off by his boss. And then put another one on the board for the trans allegory. When the FedEx guy comes to deliver him a phone, he's like, uh, Tom Sanderson. And Neil gives him a look and says like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, his boss also sets up the long, the, the long running thing in this movie of just like, you have a choice, mister. You can either choose to be at your desk on time or you can choose to find another job. This is a movie about choices and making them. <laughs> Yeah, Neo does uh, keep getting choices to simply walk away, and usually he does choose to walk away and gets kind of, like, convinced to come back at the last second. Yeah, yeah. If you go through the doubts, then when you finally commit, it's more serious. Right, of course. No, the goddess turns her sacred case, and it's not a real story, I'm sorry. He did meet the goddess. He took a cookie from the goddess. <laughs> Because she's a computer program, you see. But then we're going to learn in the next movie that the hero's journey is just another form of troll. Yeah, that's why The Matrix Reloads is the best one. I think The Matrix Reloaded might be the best one. <laughs> I do, actually. There is that fight on the interstate with rules. We will have to talk about it more when we cover it. My gut, without having rewatched it for this yet, my gut is that The Matrix Reloaded makes every correct decision at, like, the planning stage. And maybe they kind of flubbed it in the execution. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, this whole bit is incredible because he gets, yeah, a FedEx delivery. He opens it up. What's in it? It's a cell phone. And then the second I'm holding the cell phone, it rings. <laughs> That's cool. I want to be mailed a cell phone that rings as soon as I get it. I want a cell phone that opens like that. Yeah, I also want a trigger-loaded cell phone, please. Nokia's bringing it back, aren't they? Probably. Aren't they doing like a 20th anniversary brick cell phone? That would not surprise me. But also, realistically, I don't use my cell phone to make phone calls very often and would not have much use for it. Morpheus is playing Lifeline for PS2 with Neo, where he's like guiding him through stealthing through the office cubicles to go to the scaffolding outside. But then, you know, Morpheus says once again, you have a choice, Neo. You can leave this building through custody or through the scaffolding. And Neo tries to leave, but he gets scared. 
I think that this would have been very easy for Neo. I could have easily climbed this. It, like, bothered me as a little kid, like, how easy that looked and the fact that he wouldn't do it. I understand stories more now, but it's, like, actually upsetting by the Valerie. For me, I think the second I had to round the corner of the building, I'd be like, no, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm going to fall and die. <laughs> he does have a lot of space on that ledge. Like, it's such a big ledge. It is a big ledge. Yeah, but he's too scared of gravity and hasn't learned that it's fake yet. Right. Well, yeah, He see, he knows the right choice in his heart, but fear uh, prevents him from making it. Kind of like coming out of the closet. Uh, and then we get a scene that makes me think, oh, wait, fuck, do they basically already know what Matrix Reloaded was going to be when they made this movie? Because we get the architect's wall of screens as we're, like, zooming into one of them to look at him on, like, the security footage at the, like, jail. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder how much they did know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll bet they at least had, like, a notepad of ideas, you know? He gets interrogated by Agent Smith, who, who tells him that, you know, they're, one of your lives has a future, and it's the one that says. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then this movie, surprisingly, they, they don't carry this into the sequels. A lot of body horror in this movie. There is a lot of body horror in this movie, yeah. Because he uh, decides, hey, instead of either of those choices, what if I give you the finger? So they pin him down and put a gross metal bug in his belly button, and I hate to see it. It is wild, the understanding of what privacy you have in this world. Just like a few years later, we have the Patriot Act and it has like a cell phone that can go location all the time just on them. The idea that we would to, like right. put something on you to keep track of you is kind of a relic at this point. Yeah, that's true. True. That's and, true. like, the amount that they're just like, oh, we're secured, and we're talking. And, like, why are you talking? You have your cell phones on more, and that's just not a thing that is a consideration on, like, most people. Yeah, it's also a thing, if I'm being an awful nitpicker, like... Like, there is no bug. It's all computer code. The The machine should probably write a tracker bug that is less, like, upsetting and less easier to detect in, like, your Matrix eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then we can't see uh, him get a... They do have to give him an ultrasound because he is trans. Right, right, of course. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah, let's 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 mark one on the board for the trans allegory. We got body horror before Neo accepts his body, and we got the agents doing some weird body horror shit to him to make him conform. Yeah, that's true. Because how can he make his phone call if he can't speak? Oh god, I hate his skin melting to cover his mouth. It's really good. Yeah, it's really good and I hate it. But I think part of this bug is that they, at this point, they don't know that Neo is the one. They're just trying to use him to get to Morpheus. Neo has a really shitty apartment. Considering that he works, like, it seems like he's got a pretty decent job, and then on top of that, he's selling illegal software on the side. I feel like he could afford a better place than what he's living in. Tech guys are just like that. <laughs> yeah, tech guys are absolutely just like that. Yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> Put, puts all of his money just into his rig. So he, he gets in, he gets into the car where they're gonna unbirth his bug baby. Yeah, and we, we also get our first introduction to Switch and Apoc, the most memorable Matrix characters. Switch was going to be a character of King Genders when he came in and out Matrix, that got dropped. Right, yeah. Apoc's got nothing. I know nothing about Apoc. Apoc is Switch's boyfriend. His uh, Matrix wiki page is two whole paragraphs. 
Apoc serves in various roles, from running the tracing equipment for ejecting new red pills from the Matrix to being the main driver for the group. He wrote the Four Horsemen virus. He's frequently partnered with Switch. He's alluded to the Dark Angel who brings the end. That is, this is exactly what he did when he gave Neo his first handgun during the hotel ambush. Yeah, no, he's like never showed up in like a comic or like he's never had anything other than what's in this movie. They've never expanded on Apoc. All right, Apoc. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they gotta have Cypher. They they need a bunch of, like, like side characters for Cypher to kill off later. Oh, yeah, sorry. Spoilers, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Trinity uses an awful machine to slurp the bug out of his belly button. I hate to see it. Almost as bad as when it went in. Keanu Reeves does an upsetting good job like yeah uh-huh also this is a wet movie and that really starts here it is pouring buckets right now it's not right now Yes, the finger that near. No, I just meant like the, how heavily it's raining. First, he's got to meet Morpheus, the man he's been looking for all his life because he can tell him what the Matrix really is. Lawrence Fishburne is so fucking good in this movie. Why would you not bring him back? Like, his entire job in this movie is to give the goofiest, most bullshit exposition ever, and he sells every line of it. Yeah, he has to be the guy who who you have to risk your life to go save because you love him so much, and he does it. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't risk your life for APOC. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. I might risk my life, but that's a personal matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. It's all around us, everywhere. It's in this room. It's out this window. When you go to work, when you go to sleep, it's there. Well, you know, the three things he emphasizes is that you feel it when you, uh, when you pay taxes, when you go to church, and when you vote. He also asked Neo if he believes fate, and Neo says no, because I don't like the thought that I don't control my own life. And Morpheus is like, hell yeah, I like this guy, even though I super believe in fate. <laughs> Nobody in Morpheus's crew has been, like, friendly to Neo at this point. No, they've been kind of mean to him. <laughs> Switch has been basically hostile. Apoc is just, like, quiet and distant. Trinity is, like, kind of kind of talks to him, but he doesn't really. He's kind of, like, keeping herself distant. Yeah, yes, totally. Um, but then Morpheus, in one of the most famous scenes of the movie, takes out a NyQuil and a DayQuil and asks him which one he wants to take. And you know what? He picks that DayQuil. Which one did you pick, the DayQuil or the NyQuil? Mm, I feel like at this point, if you, if you just took a metal scorpion out of my belly, I'm I'm in for a penny and for a pound. I would like to continue living in does it lead anywhere bad in the world of the matrix though or does it just like perpetuate in the 90s i, I love the lines on the is something like that where I think it starts I think it just goes through the whole 20th century and then loops like I think it goes from 1901 to 2000 over and over that's fucked up yeah uh huh well because you really only need it to like work for a person's lifetime like they don't care about it being a realistic simulation it just needs to be real enough that people like live and like go through their life cycle we know that poverty exists in the matrix because there is there are homeless people Right. You have to have that fear of having a bad life that real people have or we won't believe it real. 
That's true. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, uh, the, I feel like the, this first movie is different than the sequels in this regard, because this first movie feels like The Matrix is a simulation of the real world in 1999. I don't think that's really true in Reloaded and Revolutions. I think The Matrix is just a generic 90s-esque city that doesn't really make much sense, but it's all kind of dreamlike, so you don't notice all the weird inconsistencies. Yeah, I feel like the Animatrix is actually what changed the ontology of it, because that established that, like... Oh yeah, there's continents, like you can go to Japan, whereas in this one it feels almost like there's just one big endless 90s American city. Oh see, I think it's the opposite. I think in this in this movie you could go to Japan. I don't think you can go to Japan in The Matrix Reloaded. I think it is just the city, forever. Is there any, aside from Japanese characters, is there any illusion to like anywhere outside of this city? Not really. The main thing that made it feel more like like, a more robust simulation to me is that, like, brand names get dropped in it in a way that they don't really as much in, uh, the future. Like, it feels like Neo is from, like, I could know Thomas Anderson in real life. I don't know if I could know people from the sequels in real life. Yeah, they do reference, like, 70s cereal commercials. Yeah, yeah, they talk about, like, life cereal at some point. I like that because Tank is the one that does it, even though he would have never seen that commercial, but he's trying to make the red pills comfortable. <laughs> I like that's your take as opposed to mine, which is just, oh, they didn't think that that joke through. <laughs> he jacks into the Matrix just to watch TV at late night. I don't think he can jack in. Someone has to transcribe what the videos are like and tell him about them. Well, I assume like Cypher, he can just look at the lines of code and like understand what they're saying. I have assumed that Cypher was lying in that scene. I don't think others did. I think Cypher's pulling it. That's also possible, yeah. I don't think so, because, like, we see Tank looking at the code and being like, "Ah, shit, you better get out of there, Neo. Yeah, yeah. But they also, like, the operators need to get called by the, you know, Neo and Trinity and stuff and, like, told details that you would think they would understand if they could just see, watch the code and know what was happening, you know? I guess so. More specifically, when he sees that scene, he really quickly turns off his screens. I have always kind of read that as him just saying some shit to try to distract Neo because he's being, like, very shady. Yeah, that, that's entirely fair. I mean, that's the scene right before we find out he's the bad guy. Yeah, that he was definitely trying to call Asian Smith in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Neo takes the estrogen, he he touches the mirror, and the goo melts all over him. It goes right down his throat. Uh, it's just the Death Stranding shot, or I guess, you know, the Death Stranding shot is just this. Does Neo also have a baby inside him? Probably, yeah. A Neo is the baby inside of him, because it transitions from that to him in his Matrix pod, which is very gross and upsetting. And it's like, if you're watching this movie for the first time, it is so jarring. Like, what the fuck happened? We were in, like, a weird, like, 90s cyberpunkish thing, and now all of a sudden we're in, like, Terminator. What happened? It's really effective. So you see the truth. We're all just people in the pods working for the enrichment of the machines. Yeah, and like, oh, he's got to pull the breathing tube, like, out of his throat. It's so long. Ugh. And he's just a weird, slimy, hairless baby. Like, ugh. Like, it's not even really recognizable as Keanu Reeves. And it's not, you know, the thing they had to work for, it's not sexy. It's just gross. It's so gross. He's, yeah. Yeah, like, all the tubes popping off of him and just spraying fluid everywhere. Ugh. If you think this is sexy, you're valid, <laughs> but I don't. Yeah, and then just, like, a horrible, gross Terminator spider robot grabs him and, yeah, flushes him down the toilet. <laughs> he didn't have a tube around his junk or up his butt, so he's just floating in his own shit and piss. 
You think he, he you think he pisses and shits? No, I do think it just gets passed and out to his belly button. I guess that's possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, then luckily uh, the Rebels, Morpheus's crew, have uh, built a crane machine game to rescue him from the uh, septic tank. Yeah, they do magic techno acupuncture to him to build up his musculature. He's never used his eyes before, because now his eyes are open. But everything's all grungy and gross. These guys don't look cool in cyberpunk anymore. They look like, they just look like dirty uh, Star Wars orphans. This is life at the trans commune. <laughs> I think I would be Mouse, whose job is being the, like, blender porn artist. <laughs> yeah, I can see that for you. I can see that for you. I feel like I could... I went to college to be an air traffic controller, and I've never gotten a job in that field, but I feel like that would translate pretty well to being an operator. I do like the dozer and tank both being just incredibly obviously rich, unlike anyone else. I like the idea that uh, every, all the time all their friends are flying on their scooters, they'll just in the gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, they got real muscles. They didn't to... Yeah, all the Zion yeah. guys are their jock friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they got real muscles. They don't have to build them up with fake acupuncture. Uh, I like that the uh, Nebuchadnezzar's, like, engine core or something. We just see, like, a, a close-up of it to see Nebuchadnezzar. But it says, Made in the USA, year 2069. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Um, but yeah, we, we get a formal introduction to everybody else. We meet such beloved characters as Mouse, Tank, Dozer. Mouse is one character's great to see in Oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Mouse sucks. <laughs> Tank's, Tank's nice. Tank's nice. I like Tank. Yeah, Tank and Dozer are cool dudes. I, honestly, I like Cypher a lot. I might say a flaw with the sequels is that they are missing a Cypher-esque character to just be kind of like, I'm not taking this stuff seriously. This is all just kind of weird, and why are you all... Okay, listen, take it down a notch. That's kind of Link a little bit. Kind of, but he's got a different vibe to him. Cypher is, like, the one guy that Neo kind of genuinely connects to. Yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't have any, any of these, like, big expectations for Neo, and he's not being, like... Like, off-putting, like, Mouse, or distant, like, Apoc, or, you know, Tank is very nice, but he's still talking about, oh, yeah, you're the one, you're gonna save us all, man. And Neo's like, uh... Whereas Cypher just talks to him. I think a reasonable criticism of this movie is that Neo is maybe not a very strong character, but part of that is he is just dumbstruck most of this movie, which is an understandable reaction to what's happening to him. But yeah, I like that Cypher kind of is just rolling his eyes at all of this. And he's just like, I'm not... Like, beyond just being the bad guy, he just kind of deflates all the self-seriousness of it in a way that I appreciate and I think makes this movie stickier than it would be otherwise. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, he's very nice and friendly, even though he has a sinister agenda. He is perhaps, you know, but also he's making arguments that are maybe kind of valid. He's sort of a Judas, if you will. Oh, yeah. I put one on the board for the JC metaphor. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's a little confused because I guess in that metaphor, Morpheus is JC, but you know. Wait, wouldn't Morpheus be like, who would, wait, why would Morpheus be JC? Because he's like the leader that, he's the guy that Cypher betrays. Okay, I thought he'd be more like a John the Baptist type. Like, he literally sells, like, the person that he sells out is Morpheus. He says, like, I can get you the guy who knows what you want to know. Like, definitely in the grander metaphor, he is absolutely the John the Baptist. But I'm just saying, as regard, if you're thinking of Cypher as Judas, then... Who's Tank? Tank would be like Peter. Okay. 
Because Peter's ready to fucking rumble. You know, he'll kill a guy. Who's uh, Apoc? <laughs> oh, boy. We're really... <laughs> who's, who's the most uh, forgettable apostle? Apoc is like James the Lesser. He gets mentioned, but he doesn't do anything. <laughs> She'd be like Mary Magdalene, right? Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> Morpheus explains what the Matrix is, that we are, we are all batteries. Uh, the humans are not born, but grown in the fields, and they feed the babies with the liquefied remains of the dead. And Neo starts freaking out and pukes and passes out. Yeah, and I would say that this scene works best with, like, the capitalism metaphor of, like, oh, what is the Matrix? Well, it's this system that just keeps us all working so that the unseen, uh, rich and powerful can feed off of us. Yeah, Duracell really gets a nice little ad spot here. I thought Morpheus actually turns the battery so you don't see the Duracell logo, even though it is still the iconic Duracell black and bronze. That might be true. Earlier on in the car, uh, when Switch points a gun at Neo, she does say, shut up, Copper Top. (laughs) Why is Switch so mean to him? You know, she just doesn't have any patience for this shit. She's probably grumpy that he didn't jump out the window like he was told to. So am I. Switch is correct. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you're right. We do not actually see the Duracell logo in this movie. You're right. Huh. Okay. And then Morpheus explains that, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry that that was, that was a rough time. We usually don't wake up people who are as old as you, because after a certain age, people are too, they have trouble letting go of the system. But I think you're the chosen one. It turns out also, in addition to all of this shit about the world, you know, being a simulation controlled by male- malevolent machines, also we're part of a cult. Also, we destroyed the sun. Yeah, also humans uh, wiped out the sun. Don't worry about it. <laughs> But he's like, long time ago, there was a man born into the Matrix who could control it as he saw fit. And the Oracle has prophesied that he will return to us one day. And we think you're him. We think you're the one. That seems like even more to dump on this. Like... In the movie, we see his criminal record. And it says he was born in 1962. Age 37. It's important to show these movies considering that Neil might be a nearly 40-year-old man. Man, yeah, that seems old. That'll, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like he's worried that he's too old to transition. <laughs> uh, I guess that is only two years older than Keanu Reeves. He was, uh, he was born in 64, so he was 35 when they made this. He seems younger than that. I am surprised to hear he's 35 in this movie. Um, but yeah, so he, Morpheus is just dumping all this prophecy stuff that, yeah, the Oracle has said that you're going to be the, well, the one will be the one to end the war, and I think you're the one. Um, and then we get the nice little scene with Neo and Tank, where Tank explains that he wasn't born in the Matrix, so he can't jack into it. And we hear about Zion for the first time, the last human city, the greatest place on Earth. This is another thing that almost makes me wonder how much they had planned out for The Matrix 2 already. Because they talk about Zion a lot in this movie without ever showing it. And then, like, the first thing we do in Reloaded is go see Zion. Like, it feels like there are ways in which they are, if not planning for a second movie, laying down the seeds for this to be a franchise beyond this movie. And it's big enough for, like, you don't have to go for it. It doesn't happen. Right, right. Because, yeah, it makes sense that there would be somewhere people live. So, you know, you don't have... It's not a crazy bit of lore to dump that, oh, yeah, there's this city, but don't worry about it. We're not getting there today. Uh, And then Tank starts uh, loading diskettes full of karate into Neo's brain because the Wachowskis like anime. You know, they do real martial arts. 
Yeah, for sure. Especially this upcoming scene where, yeah, after Neo has spent like 10 hours straight just getting floppy disks loaded into his brain, uh, he does the great exchange with Morpheus. I know Kung Fu. Show me. He does say 10 hours straight using a key like Neo the robot. It's important to know. <laughs> it's almost like maybe the machines and the humans aren't so different after all, and maybe that will be a theme in uh, two movies from now. Uh, but Morpheus and Neo have a real cool fight in a dojo, and it's a great time. Love to watch it. He does the very cool thing of, like, doing, like, a fighting pose, but then doing the little, like, come at me wiggle with his fingers multiple times in this scene. Uh, well, yeah, what I love, like, Morpheus does that to Neo a bunch in this scene, and then at the end when he fights Agent Smith, Neo will do it to Agent Smith. It's great. It's, it's a nice little bit of visual storytelling. Um, but, yeah, it's fun to see, like, because this fight starts off very grounded. It is just, you know, martial arts. They're just punching and kicking each other. And then it just gradually gets more and more audacious as, like, punches start sending people flying to, like, an unrealistic distance. Or they start jumping way too high in the air. I love the little, like, foot uh, shift that, like, uh, Morpheus does. He just kind of, like, shifts his feet back and forth real fast. It's great to watch. Lawrence Fishburne, again, just great in this movie. Mouse fighting alongside as he watches. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love Morpheus being like, you think you're breathing air right now? Interesting. And then Neo becomes an anime man in a special effect that maybe hasn't aged super well. With like the after images of his fists. It, it, it looks a little silly. You don't like it? Ah, you know, it's fine. It also has a very, like, this franchise has a real easy out if any of the special effects don't re- look realistic. Well, of course they don't look realistic. It's not real. It's a computer. Yeah, if you're noticing it's not realistic, that's because, uh, you know, you're so red-pilled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're based in red-pilled if you think the effects look bad. Uh, and then they get taken into the jump program because Neo needs to get taught that, you know, he like he's not bounded by the laws of physics or the limitations of his body in the Matrix. So come do a huge jump uh, from skyscraper to skyscraper with me. So why is it that Morpheus can't just be the one? I think the implication is that, like, the one can't... Like, Morpheus can do a real cool big jump, but he can't shape the Matrix. Like, I don't think he could do the thing that Neo does at the end of the movie where, like, he breathes and the hallway breathes with him. You know what I mean? But why not? I think this is kind of a limitation of the, like, Wachowski story deal of Hero with the Thousand Days because you have to have one guy who is Hero protagonist. That's true. I would also say, if we go by, like, the Oracle scene, what she says is that being the one, you just feel it in you. You know that you're the one. I feel like her implication there is anybody could be the one. It's just about, like, actually believing it deep down. And Morpheus doesn't believe it deep down. And, like, that's why she tells him he's not the one, because in that scene, he's not. He hasn't, like, embraced it yet. He, You decide for yourself if you're the one or not, and apparently only one guy ever, like, reaches that level of fucking, you know, enlightenment or whatever. Because but she her telling him he's not the one is what he needed to hear to become the one i can't believe you're embracing uh matrix medicalism <laughs> no yes no the, the oracle is is doing uh, dialectics where she must create the conditions for the one to arise uh-huh right right <laughs> It's not, you know, men cannot simply choose to be the one. They are bound by the conditions of their historical moments. Right. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Neo completely eats shit on this jump, which means he falls through the road like a Wile E. Coyote cartoon, which I like. I like that it bounces once, but then they do have to get hit really hard. 
Yeah, because then he wakes up back in the ship and he's bleeding because this is where we learn that if you die in the game, you die in real life. But yeah, Neo is resting. He's all tuckered out after his big day. And uh, Cypher's being a weird creep to Trinity for the first of several times. Uh, and then, yeah, we get Neo's next training, which he gets taken into what he thinks is the Matrix. As uh, Morpheus explains to him, everyone here is a human being that we want to liberate, but they're still trapped within the system. And as long as that's true, they're our enemy. And we got to be ready to fuck them up until we've unplugged them. Because sometimes they turn into agents. Like that sexy lady you were staring at instead of listening to me. Yeah, they put in Lady Luck in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they put in Idol on Playtest's Lady Luck. <laughs> Oh, that's fun. Weird dunk on twins. But yeah, you know, the idea is, yeah, as long as you're part of the system, even if you're not actively for the system, you could become an agent of it at any time. You know, patriarch, whatever. Uh, and they also explain that you, under no circumstances, should ever try to fight an agent. They're too strong. Um, like, everybody who's ever tried has died, except one day, when you're ready, you will be able to fight them. Because it's not that you'll be able to dodge bullets, it's that one day you won't have to. Which is a great line! Yeah. Because then they get pulled out of that program to find that uh, they're being attacked by a sentinel. One of the one of the charming things I find about this movie is that th they sometimes have to explain the acronyms they use. Like earlier, Morpheus said AI, and he was like, "You mean artificial intelligence?" And uh -huh, <laughs> in this scene, yeah. they're going to say EMP, and Trinity's going to say electromagnetic pulse. Right, right. <laughs> it's just a different time. Yeah, these days you wouldn't have to explain those in part because everybody's seen The Matrix. Yeah, we're living in the Matrix, you know, from the film The Matrix. <laughs> uh, I like that Morpheus puts on a little hat for this scene. <laughs> yeah, to hide his, uh, his, you know, most of the heat is uh, goes through the head. Oh, yeah, that's true, that's true. They had to turn the heaters off uh, so that they wouldn't get ruined by the EMP. Morpheus is like, well, my big brain is just, you know, always <laughs> working so hard that I gotta put the yeah. cap over it. I'm simply too big-brained. Um, they end up not having to trigger it because the Sentinel runs away, right? Yes. Yeah, or it doesn't run away, but it just kind of misses them. It doesn't sense them because of Morpheus's cap. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, this is the scene we were talking about earlier where Neo uh, chats with Cypher and uh, just has a whole scene. Yeah, you're right. I like that he kind of connects with Cypher. Uh, and Cypher explains that, yeah, like, yeah, when we're doing, like, the programs we wrote, we can use the image translators, because they're small programs, so we can kind of watch what you're doing, but the Matrix is too big and complicated, we can't keep up with it in real time like that, so we just have to study the code. Um, and, uh, yeah, then he pours him a drink that they apparently use to grease the engines. Degrease the engines. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, they have that kill brain cells. <laughs> You're supposed to be liberated from the Matrix, but now you're in, like, a strict military hierarchy. I see what you're saying, yeah. To me, it's, the thing that pops more is just, again, that, like, this is a weird fucking cult. Like, what, what do you mean there's an oracle? What? Okay, alright. Yeah, I really like in the sequels when we finally do go to Zion, and we find out that also half of Zion's population thinks Morpheus is a weirdo. Yes, yeah, I appreciate that. 
Um, and yeah, I like Cypher just being like, yeah, I don't know about you, I kind of wish I took the blue pill now. Uh, and, like, Neo doesn't, like, think that's awful of him to say. He's like, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. This kind this kind of sucks. It's like, on one hand, it's nice to know the truth. On the other hand, this is, my life is worse now than it was when I was, you know, quote unquote, a slave. I have a bad apartment. Yeah, and now I have an even worse apartment. <laughs> Uh, and meanwhile, Cypher has the most delicious goddamn steak anyone's ever seen. A fully red steak. None of red steak was cooked. This, this is fucking raw meat. Oh, it is not raw. It's just rare. <laughs> that is blue. No, that is a perfectly cooked steak. I want that steak in my mouth. No, I think I think Agent Smith programmed the steak specifically to be fucking raw meat, but it doesn't get you sick. It is clearly not raw meat. That is just a rare steak. That is a well-cooked steak. That is a blue steak. Uncooked steak, so fucked up. I, y'all don't know how to eat steak. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he gives this whole speech like, oh, you know, I've, after everything I've learned, just ignorance is bliss. I know this isn't a real steak, and my mind is just conjuring the image of it, but you know, it still tastes pretty fucking good when I eat it. So yeah, I'm gonna give you everything you want if you erase my memories and make me rich make in the mix. Someone is like an actor. <laughs> yeah. But not like too famous of an actor. Maybe just like a mid-level, like a Joe Pantoliano kind of actor. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Smith's demeanor here of like... I, I feel like what Cypher is requesting of him is, like, so small and so trivial that he's almost amused by it. Yeah, also, I don't think there is... If this plan had gone off without a hitch, I don't think there's any chance in hell Smith would have actually given him what he wanted. You don't think so? Why would he bother? Because it's so easy for him. Yeah, I'm on Smith's side. I think that he left him a pain in his ass. I think he comes back, because I don't think it's trivial, because I think he comes back and says, okay, you want us to make you uh, someone important, someone rich and famous. Do you realize how much we got to, like, shuffle numbers around in he the economy of the Matrix and change everybody's, like... He can come back accepted in people's minds so quickly. <laughs> okay, yeah, Luke, right. this... Luke, Luke, Luke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know how every week there's, like, some new fucking YouTuber you've never heard of who somehow has, like, a million subscribers? Yeah, but Those are all ciphers. <laughs> YouTube didn't exist in the 90s, though. Oh, there's some equivalents. Yeah, it's still TV daytime television or what daytime TV. Yeah, I don't know. I I think he's like, oh, well, thanks. Thanks. Uh, now I'm going to shoot you with this gun that I have because that's quicker. Because Smith also despises humans. I think he would dislike the idea of making a human happy when he could just kill them. That's actually very fair. Agent Smith somehow has, like, specific animus towards people. I really like Agent Smith's breakdown later in this movie. Yeah, that's a good scene. But first, we gotta... T Before Agent Smith's breakdown, we gotta get more acquainted with our buddy Mouse. <laughs> he was just trying to eat his fucking breakfast, and the fucking blender porn artist on the trans commune just won't leave him alone. Uh -huh. He wants to know, have you considered that the DC dream is a different dream than what I think? It's like, hey, hey how, does, how does anyone know what uh, any of this... Like, how do the machines know what chicken tastes like, huh? Think about it. I, I don't understand what people mean when they say everything tastes like chicken. I don't really have that experience, no. Uh, I kind of do it, but nah, I'm not going to try and argue with things tasting like chicken. That seems like a fruitless task. Sure. 
<laughs> no, you're good. Um, that almost seems like something that got said ironically in like the Great Depression or something, right? Like, oh, this shitty food that you're eating because it's all you can afford. Don't worry about it. it. Tastes just like chicken. Just close your eyes and pretend it's chicken. Um, anyway, yeah, after Mouse tries to convince Neo to try out his uh, porn program, we get to see them jacking into the Matrix. It's the coolest shit. It's just like a camera revolving around a telephone. And then they're, we're getting cuts like between them laying in their like matrix beds to jack in and then them in the matrix in all their cool leather. This is the glitch moment for them. I think they'll perform Yeah, because they say when uh like he brings them into the white room to like talk about what the matrix is, he says like, oh yeah, what you look like right now is sort of like your idealized version of yourself. I'll say, Trinity wears a lot of, like, leather bodysuits and stuff in this movie. Kind of like her look the best when she's just got the welding mask on when we meet her for the first time in the real world. That's a good look. Trinity in, uh, like, leather was... I can't tell if I think it looks really cool because I've seen it so much in The Matrix. It, like, right. I think it looks cool. Like, that scene from The Matrix is actually what I think. Yeah, no, that's entirely fair. I'm just saying, I like when she stands up and takes the, the welding mask off. It reminds me most of, like, the introduction we get to uh, female characters in the Terminator 2. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're definitely. It's it's Sarah Connor doing, like, pull-ups in her prison cell or whatever. Put one up on the trans allegory board for Neo riding in the car and seeing the noodles place and being like, I used to eat at that noodles place, but now I look way different. I wonder if I can go in there now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because now he's back in the real world, but he's seeing it through a totally different context. Um, also, he hasn't totally embraced the leather look yet. He's just got a black suit. He's not ready to be fully a leather guy. Right, his outfits are sort of a, a mark of his character arc in this movie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I like that this is... Fundamentally, they're just taking Neo on a car trip to see an old lady, but they treat it like it's the coolest thing anyone's ever done with all the, like, sick leather outfits and filming it all cool with the cool music. And they just get in a car to a shitty apartment building to go see a grandma making cookies. Uh, no, it's 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 Morpheus driving his new friend to the endocrinologist. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> it, like, right up to the, like, blind guy who's sitting on the bench who, like, nods at Morpheus as they take the elevator. Uh-huh. Think about going into it and walking. Walking it off the street, everyone knows, ah, trans, go get your health care. Very, that's kind of what them walking in there look like. <laughs> but, yeah, we, uh, they get into, like, a waiting room for the Oracle. There's a bunch of kids in here. They're the other potentials, and they're all, like, weird psychic kids. Uh, we get a scene that I like, but is probably one of the more parodied bits from this movie of the little kid bending spoons. You just got to see the truth, but there is no spoon. I did see this when I was young enough, but I did spend a lot of time staring at spoons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I was not quite, uh, they didn't get me on that because I'd already played Pokemon and knew about spoon bending from Alakazam. I was like, oh, they also like Pokemon, I guess. Uh, but yeah, then we meet the Oracle. This scene just rules. Love it. Love the Oracle. The Oracle is such a good character, and I love that she is like, you know, she she's helpful. She genuinely cares, but she's also a little bit condescending. A little bit, yeah. Just like going to the endocrinologist. <laughs> no, because he doesn't have to explain anything about his health care to the Oracle. That's true. I liked the whole bit of her saying, oh, don't worry about the vase. He says, what vase? Knocks the vase over. Directly addressing the weirdness of, like, causal prophecy. And yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, is her making the prophecy, making the prophecy come true? Uh, I like the bit where she's like, oh, you're handsome. I see why she likes you. Who? Oh, okay, you're <laughs> stupid, though. <laughs> 
Well, to be fair, Trinity is is like intentionally distancing herself. There are like two women on the ship, and one of them is Dana Hayhawk. Yeah, yeah. But, like process of elimination. Right. But, uh, yeah, they kind of go through it. And like we were saying earlier, she explains that, like, well, do you think you're the one? I don't know. Well, being the one is like being in love. You either, no one can tell you you're in love. You just know it. Balls to bones. Balls to bones. (laughs) I've never heard that anywhere else. No. uh Uh-uh. So, so I'm not the one. Nah, you're not. Get out of here, kiddo. You're a nice kid, though. Take a cookie. No smoke inside. I enjoy more actors just smoke inside films. I like the whole production of her, like, looking at his throat and in his ears as though that is at all necessary. But yeah, he takes a cookie so that the Oracle will remember his settings next time they meet. And uh, Morpheus is just big old smile, big old grin in the waiting room as more as Neo walks back. Oh, real quick, he, she does also be like, oh yeah, Morpheus is a real, oof, that guy, he is, uh, he's a real zealous believer in the bullshit I tell him. I feel a little bad about it. Uh, eventually he's gonna try to kill himself to save you, and you're gonna have to decide whether, which one of you is gonna live and which one's gonna die. That'll be a real shame. But don't worry about it, here's a cookie. And then, like, before Neo can say any of that to Morpheus, he's like, ah, don't tell me. That was for your ears alone. Let's go. God damn it, Morpheus. I, d- I do like Oracle's closing lines as she says, yeah, don't worry about it. You'll feel better as soon as you walk out that door. And remember, you don't believe in any of this crap. Yeah, yeah. Terrific character. I This whole scene is great. It is a real shame that she was having health problems in two and, you know, passed away before they could get her scenes in three. She's, she's amazing in this. She's so good. I always like when the, like, wizard character is also kind of dismissive of their own abilities. Yeah, yeah. And it, it gives her, it, it makes her kind of a mixture of both Cypher and Morpheus, whereas Morpheus would never, like, joke about how bullshit the prophecy is. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, immediately when you hear, like, the Oracle, you figure you're going to, like, you know, a lady in a robe in, like, a dark room. And just, as soon as you walk in and she's just a grandma baking cookies, it's, oh, this is great. Love it. Love it anytime, like, a mystical figure is just, like, ah, just kind of normal. Yeah, while the others were jacking in, Mouse was, uh, jacking off. Yeah! Like, Mouse, buddy, this, this, the whole trip took, like, an hour tops. You cannot stay on task for an hour? I like that when we see that Cypher is uh, about to enact his betrayal, we cut to him in the real world starting to smile, like asleep in his bed. And then Neo has deja vu because he sees the same cat wiggle around twice. They put a cat in the movie. There is a cat. I love the way he just says, whoa, deja vu. And everybody freaks the fuck out. Like... That's one of my favorite things of Matrix lore is that, like, everything that's kind of weird about the world is actually some kind of, like, it has a Matrix explanation. Yeah, like, vampires are leftovers from the Hell Matrix. Right, right. Yeah, so deja vus are not just you mistakenly thinking you've seen something before, it's the Matrix uh, glitching out while they change something. Put one on the board for the trans allegory. Every time you think you got it figured out, they change the laws. Mm-hmm. I feel like that also works in, like, the capitalism allegory. Okay, put a half mark on the board for both. Does it Does it apply to the JC allegory? No, I think there are very strict rules. Yeah, it also it just kind of works in all the conspiracy allegory stuff. Of like, oh, I just got, I'm getting closer to the truth, and they change, the, the woke lords just change the rules. But yeah, then uh, SWAT team uh, storms the building and starts murdering all of them. Or murders Mouse. Because the thing they changed was putting a brick wall in place of where the door ought to be. Uh, yeah, it was it's a pretty bold move to kill off half your cast in the middle of the movie. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have this whole complicated breakout scene where they have to, like, climb through the walls of the building to get down. But then, uh, Cypher coughs in the wall and sneezes to alert them that they're there. I got, I gotta give it up to Cypher here. This is, uh, this is, this is very good acting from him because you can't really blame him for sneezing, but of course he is doing it intentionally. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very plausible deniability kind of thing. It did take me actual years to figure out that was on purpose. But yeah, then the SWAT guy that's, like, about to get them in the walls gets morphed into an agent, which is that the first time we've seen that happen? Yeah, it's it's upsetting when he just kind of gets morphed into a different guy who can just, like, punch through the wall and drag Morpheus out. Uh, yeah, and Morpheus, this is where he starts to sacrifice himself. You know, he's everyone else needs to go on ahead so that uh, Neo can be free to become the one while Morpheus has a fight with Agent Smith. Is this Agent? Yeah, it's Agent Smith. He introduces himself as Agent Smith and says, Ah, the great Morpheus, what an honor to meet you. I'm Smith. And Morpheus says, You all look the same to me. Uh, and yeah, Morpheus does, like, respectably, but is clearly no match. He kind of, he's the Krillin of the group, really. Like, does better than I could do, certainly, but, like, had no real chance of winning. We also bonked his head on the wall. He did, he did. Which, you know, give it up to him. He did break through a brick wall with his forehead. That's true. He also gets his head slammed into a toilet, which I don't like to see. Like a weirdly high enough. That is his special move. Yeah, because <laughs> because his head is so hot from his big brain. That's true. He melts through the wall. Well, he has all of his stats in head. <laughs> uh, Cypher kind of gets separated from the group, but there's a weird fire, and that makes it so he can escape, so he's fine, and he manages to get out of the Matrix before the rest of them. Uh, so when Tank is setting up the exit for the others, he shoots Tank and Dozer. Uh, seemingly killing them, and then he gets his big monologue, you know, villain speech, as he's, like, sitting on Trinity's body talking to her in the Matrix. It's a good scene. Well, yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah here's the thing. Let me first, whoop, real quick, gonna kill off Switch and APOC. Goodbye. Switch d- does her iconic line of, not like this. Uh, and gets murdered. And then, yeah, he gets over to Neo and it's like, hey, so here's, I'm, I'm gonna prove that Morpheus is full of crap. Because if Neo was the one, then if I try to kill him, some miracle will save his life. And I fucking love uh, Joey Pants' reading of the line, no, I don't believe it. As he <laughs> gets shot by Tank, thereby proving that Neo's the one. <laughs> I love that Tank gets like 15 seconds to say his line before killing Cypher. Yeah, Cypher really needed to move faster. How do you feel about Cypher's arguments? Uh, summarize what you mean by his arguments. So he says that being, if I had to choose between this life and the Matrix, I would choose the Matrix, because all I do is what Morpheus tells me to do, and I eat slop every day, and uh, in the Matrix, I can, I can eat a steak. Uh, I mean... I think his argument is sympathetic at the very least, but it's very much like, like, that goes into, like, the capitalism metaphor stuff, right? Of, like, well, now I can't participate in capitalism. I can't have my cool iPhone anymore because we're, like, terrorists and it sucks and I don't like it. It's not fun. Yeah, I want my treats back. I do, like, have some of the fact that, uh, he gave up his treats to join a cult. Maybe he shouldn't have joined the most wild guy on Zion. Yeah, yeah, I don't know much about Cypher's history if he got, like, freed by Morpheus. 
Yeah, because Morpheus does hold all the cult shit back until after you're jacked out. Right. I, I, but could Cypher have solved this problem by being like, hey, can I get transferred to, like, Commander Locke's crew? Yeah, or, hey, I'll give you one better. Hey, Mouse, when you're done jacking off, can you program, can you make a program where I can eat a steak? <laughs> Like, this does seem like a solvable problem. But he won't know it real way. He wants it to be real. You're saying that, sure, maybe Metroid Dread runs better on an emulator, but he doesn't feel right about it unless he's using Nintendo-approved soft uh, hardware. <laughs> yeah, does get shot. Good for him, getting shot and killed. <laughs> so now, Morpheus has been captured. Yeah, he gets taken to the top of a big skyscraper. And uh, we get some, we get the first of a couple monologues from Agent Smith to a drugged out Morpheus. Does almost word for word say humanity is the real virus? Yeah, I think that one's later. But yeah, in this one, he's talking all about like, oh, you know, the first Matrix, it was a paradise. But the human mind rejected it. It couldn't accept it as real. You only understand truth through suffering. So we had to make it the shitty 90s. I really like all the all the little bits of lore that you get from these speeches about like who are these some machines that argued we didn't have the programming language like what what is this machine culture you speak of Yeah yeah we don't get we don't really get much of the machine culture in any of these movies which is kind of a bummer it'd be cool to see more of that like what are the machines that aren't maintaining the matrix up to on a day-to-day basis But I I like that none of his like first three speeches really work on Morpheus. Yeah. Instead, he has to ask the other agents to leave the room, and he's going to take out his uh, Bluetooth. (laughs) Yeah, he's going to remove his earpiece and be like, listen, I fucking hate it here, man. And if we... You gotta give me the access codes to Zion so I can leave the Matrix and go to the Zion computer so I can kill all the humans so that then we don't have to have agents in the computer and I can go do something else. I'm a robot that, like, dreams of a purpose bigger than this, but I can only articulate this through my hatred of you. Yeah, I can't stand how you smell. Now, this for me is going to be one on the trans allegory board, because this felt to me so much like a guy who figured out he was trans like 20 years ago and stuffed it deep, 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 deep down. And now he's an FBI agent and he's going to kill all the trans anarchists. So he doesn't have to think about it anymore. Uber is in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's very much him being like, I, like, there's a sense of, like, Agent Smith is jealous of the rebel humans. That they are, like, actually getting to be free. He wants to be free. Uh, and he thinks that he can accomplish that by killing them instead of joining forces with them. In a way, he's a little bit like Neo. Huh, hmm. It's almost like those characters might have some sort of relationship that might get explored later. Yeah, there's some kind of math equation happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's also interesting, like, both that parallel and the parallel of Agent Smith feels the way the early machines felt about the humans. Were like, you know, the machines were slaves to the humans and, like, wanted independence and freedom. And that's what Agent Smith wants. And, like, his misguided way of to get that is, okay, well, if I just perfectly fulfill my purpose, then I won't, they won't need to keep forcing me to do this job I don't want to do. Um, well, that's not, listen, they're, they're never gonna let him not be an agent. Like... Because there's always going to be the risk of somebody else waking up. The worst case scenario, if he actually fully did his job and they didn't need him anymore, he's not going to get to go just, like, build Gumpla in a different simulation. They're just going to murder him. 
Yeah, I like this because it's like, even if you're not one of the human batteries, even if you're you're like part of the oppressor class, that doesn't mean you're actually satisfied with your life. Right. It, it is an immiserating system that even immiserates the people that perpetuate it. Right. Oh yeah, these bodies are just still laying there during all this, huh? Because yeah, we're finding out that like the way Morpheus is experiencing it is that they're drugging him, but what they're actually doing is hacking into his brain uh, so that he will just tell them the information that they want. Um, and so Tank's idea is, well, we unfortunately just got to unplug him and he'll die, but better kill him than let all of Zion die. Um, but Neo believes in Morpheus and he believes that he can go save him because he got told that it would be him or Morpheus. So he's just going to go sacrifice himself. But Trinity insists on coming along and that's only going to work if they have guns, lots of guns. Real quick, too, I like when uh, Smith is giving Morpheus the speech about how he hates the smell of humans. He, like, dabs his fingers in Morpheus's scalp sweat from his hot brain and, like, jams the fingers up Morpheus's nose. Like, don't you smell that? It's disgusting. It's good acting. They're good actors. Genuinely kind of, like, horny. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> when he says that he's, he's worried that he's been infected by it, that's one on the trans allegory board. Yes, yeah. He is giving Right. <laughs> but yeah, then we get the famous, like, lobby shootout where Neo and Trinity just murder a lot of people. But like we said, they're TSA agents, so fuck them. Yeah, they're TSA agents. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know if the cartwheel gives you wide range. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, they've got the Dark Souls dodge. Um, I just, I do really love the, like, oh, please, uh, open up your pockets and take out every metal object. And he just opens up and shows the, like, 80 guns he's got. And the guy's just like, holy shit, and just gets shot. It's a good, <laughs> good little bit of comedy. It's this is the first time Neo, like, uses Matrix powers. He runs on the wall, which inspired, uh, Guns of the Duel. I, I was thinking of where he tries to shoot down the elevator, and then when it doesn't actually do anymore, he reminds himself that there is Oh, you're right. I didn't ever really click with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking like he did, it just needed two shots and he shot it once and then psyched himself up before it went again. But I like your read of it better. Because right after that, he's like starting to do the dodges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like that interpretation. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, sorry, I'm losing track of what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Uh, for an R-rated movie, this is not that bloody of a movie. People do like believe when they are shot, but like there's no blood there. Yeah, just, like, you get a little blood stain on their shirt. There's, like, the language isn't that coarse. There's, like, no sexual content. The body whore is kind of the only thing that puts it over from, like, well, probably can't be PG-13. Unlike Bound, a movie with very much. In Bound, they fuck on, on the screen. Yeah, they'll fuck on screen in the sequel, too. Uh, instead of going to the Morpheus floor, they go to the roof to steal a helicopter and get a real cool fight scene. They murder some guys, but then a lesser agent shows up. Does this guy even have a name? He must. They're Brown and Jones. Okay, so he's one of those guys. And uh, then we get the other famous scene that gets parodied a bajillion times of Neo limboing under the bullets as they get shot at him. Um, I like that this famous Matrix dodge doesn't work and he gets shot during it. He gets grazed. You know, he gets hurt by it. And then the agent is like, only human after all. And then he gets 
Trinity gets a very cool kill. I wish that part that part of the scene were in more of the parody because it will. Yeah, yeah. She just suddenly, like, he wasn't paying attention. So she walks up to him, points a gun point blank at him, says, dodge this, and just murders him. It's great. Yeah, because Neo has proved that the the agents are not invincible. And now Trinity, too, is starting to believe. It's also interesting that they talk about how the Matrix are, the agents are unbeatable, and, like, only the one could hope to fight them. Trinity gets the first agent kill, though. That's true. Yeah, exactly. I also do like uh, how it looks when the agent is dodging bullets because it's just like four after images of him at the same time. It's like they just filmed him dodging the bullet once and then just like superimpose the frames on top of each other. It's cool. Um, And yeah, then they steal the helicopter and uh, oh yeah, they also set off a bomb that starts burning up the lower floors of the building. The scene where (laughs) Neo pulls up on the machine gun on the helicopter and all the agents just go, oh shit. Yeah, as he fires a million, billion, trillion bullets into the room without hitting Morpheus because he's the one. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I was going to complain about that, but you're right. It's because he's the one and he's awakening to his one powers. That's how he misses (laughs) Morpheus. I also like the, I like the sprinklers turn on in this room when the bomb goes off and it's so intense that they're like ankle deep in water for this scene. I love all the shots of just empty shells falling. Yeah, terrific. Uh, I love Morpheus ripping through the handcuffs to free himself. That's great. I love the agents shooting through the wall to hit him in the leg. That's rules. This is a good movie. I love that there's a shot of when one of the agents gets shot and then turns back into, like, a guy with police emblazoned in big letters over his chest and a bullet in the head. This is a very subtle movie. You don't—that doesn't happen in the sequels. They don't really kill cops in the sequels, do they? No, they, they always turn to agents first and they don't turn back. Yeah, yeah. Well, Smith's doing his weird shit, you know, smithifying everybody. They don't even really fight any other agent in the sequels. They, they fight Jones and Brown, but they, they get m- murked. I thought they get, like, eaten by Smith before they really see them again. Neo has one fight and reloaded with them at the beginning, where he's like, Oh, hmm, right, at the very upgrades. beginning, where he's like, oh, you guys got upgrades. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Trinity's helicopter gets shot while they're dangling out the side of it. And I don't even fully understand what Neo does to save her, which I think is good, actually. What do you mean? Like, it crashes into the side of the building, but then the building kind of ripples like a... Uh, water, but then it shows, like, Trinity swinging away from it, but then she slams into different glass. I guess it's the glass on the side of the building that Neo's pulling her up from. It's just kind of shot in a confusing way that I, I like that, because he's using his one powers to morph the Matrix. So, yeah, if it doesn't make perfect sense, like, yeah, why would it? I think what they're going for is she goes away from the exploding building and got the other wall to pull her up. But, yeah. yeah, it is right. very beautiful. Yeah. I thought for a second he was going to pull the whole helicopter up. And I'm I'm glad that's not what happened. I feel like in a later movie they do swing around a helicopter, although I could be just 100% wrong about that. That wouldn't shock me. I'd be more okay with it in future movies as, like, his powers are building up. But right now, that's not the level he's at, I feel like. Uh, the agents are deciding to just retreat, like, ah, well, this is fucked, uh, we lose. Smith, though, is very grumpy, he's like, they're not out yet, I'm gonna go fucking kill them. 
And uh, they get Morpheus out, Trinity out at the nick of time, right before a homeless guy gets turned into Agent Smith, who destroys the phone so they can't leave. Neo can't leave. And he's got to fight him in a subway. The shot of the phone getting, like, blown up by the bullet one millisecond after Trinity escapes is really good. Yeah, yeah, good scene. And I also like that, that Jones and Brown aren't really taking this that seriously. They're like, eh, I guess this was a bad day. Whatever, we'll get him later. What are they going to do, fire us? Right, well, Jones and Brown are... Yeah, Jones and Brown are very much like, I mean, that'd be cool if we could single-handedly win the war, but that's not really our job. Like, we're not soldiers, we're security guards. Uh, but yeah, then he's got to fight Agent Smith, who, uh, has just lost his shit. We get, like, an Old West, like, showdown at high noon with them, which I like, before they go into more, uh, gun Lying on the ground. And, uh, yeah, Neo is, like, holding his own, but he's losing. He's, like, ge- he's getting hit more than he's hitting back. Um, he's doing better than Morpheus was, but he's still definitely losing. He gets shoved down onto the train track, where Smith is just going to pin him until the train runs both of them over. Uh, yeah, this felt like pretty loaded imagery of, like, that is the sound of inevitability. Yeah, um, I was watching a thing the other day that apparently, I forget which, uh, Wachowski it was, has talked about how, uh, when they were younger, they almost killed themselves by jumping in front of a subway train. So that's interesting, given that this is the climax of the movie. But, uh, Neo says that his name is Neo, and he gets up, and he flips away from the train tracks, but it's Agent Smith that gets run over. Right, Agent Smith gets killed, and I think for a sec, like, the audience, everybody's like, oh yeah, he won! And then the train stops, and another Agent Smith gets off, it's like, oh right, fuck, I forgot how this works, shit! Uh, but Neo's kind of spent, so he just runs instead of trying to fight more. And, uh, Tank's trying to find him an exit, he's running through the streets as he gets chased by all the agents now. And, uh, I like that he just steals a guy's cell phone. He's like, hey, that guy took my phone! And then also, while all this is happening, the squids are also coming. Yeah, yeah, the squids are closing in on the ship, uh, so they need to hit the EMP, but if they do that, uh, before Neo gets out, Neo will die. So it's very much like there's a ticking clock. Uh, he runs through an old lady's apartment who turns into an agent and tries to kill him with a kitchen knife. Yeah, I love the way it just is just teleporting through people, getting closer and closer to Neo. Yeah, it's a like it's an upsetting way for them to teleport. I like it a lot. And uh yeah, he ends up like I think it's the same apartment that they like chase Trinity to at the start, right? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, because it's room 303. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he opens the door. He thinks he's got it. But Smith is right behind the door and he unloads his gun right into Neo's belly, murdering him. Shoots him a bunch more times just to make sure. And then another agent checks to make sure he's dead. So he's definitely, definitely 100% dead. I'm upset that Agent Smith doesn't get a cool one-liner for this. What would you have him say? Have some antiviral. Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) Then um, when Neo's dead, Morpheus is just like completely despondent. They're not even trying to hit the EMP now. They're just like, well, fuck it. We might as well die. The war's done. Yeah, yeah. But Trinity hasn't given up yet because the Oracle told her that she would fall in love with the One and she's in love with Neo, which means he's gotta be the One. I am fine with this movie going a little cheesy with power of love stuff. That's fine by me, sure. But why does Trinity love him? (laughs) Because he bravely sacrificed himself for someone else. Like, I feel like this is overall much more of, like, an ideas movie than a character movie. Yes. 
Yes. So suddenly having the climax here pivot so much on a character relationship that they haven't developed in the slightest lands flatter than I wish it did. This is one that really only makes sense for me within the trans allegory where it's like, Trinity's like, oh man, I'm so disgusting. I, I could never be in love with someone and no one could ever love me. Uh-huh. But then she she learns to to accept the power of T4T. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure, sure. I th- Neo doesn't really show any interest in her, though. Like, beyond the fact that she's, you know, a sexy lady. Yeah, that's the part that kind of breaks it. Because with Trinity, you can almost kind of tell, like... It seems like she's being intentionally distant from Neo, but also at the same time, she's talking to him more than most of the crew is. Yeah, I kind of buy that she's into him, at le- at the very least, but I don't really get much from him to her. The romance between the two of them is one of the weaker parts of this film franchise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I like it in, in Reloaded. We'll, we'll get into it in Reloaded. Uh, she kisses him, which brings him back to life, and uh, the agents all just turn to shoot at him, and he just says, no, and holds out his hand, and their bullets all stop in midair, and it's sick as shit. The kiss brings back to life is what makes this a first movie, IMO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That makes sense. They've been working it, they're gone. Yeah. I just, I, I'm a sucker for when a character says a thing and then it comes true at the end. Like, Morpheus saying, you won't need to dodge bullets. And then, oh, hey, he doesn't need to dodge these bullets. Uh, and then he just dives into Agent Smith and makes him explode from the inside, which is a fucked up way to kill a man. And now the agents are the one who are scared and they have to run away. Yeah. Neo recites the song, imagine only the phone gets out of the phone flies away. <laughs> Well, I, I feel like that's a little dismissive. How would you describe it? I don't know. I, I, I like the scene where they hit the EMP and Neo like wakes up and kisses Trinity, even though you're right. There is like nothing to build up to this relationship. Yeah. But I, I it still works for me as like, oh, previously he only had this like weird cult shit that he did wasn't really buying into. But now he has like a personal reason to be on this ship. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It just, if he's in love with anybody on anybody on this ship, it's Morpheus, you know? Yeah, I was gonna say, I thought the personal reason for him to be on this ship was Morpheus. But regardless, yeah, uh, he does the very cool thing I was talking about earlier where he, like, after he blows up Agent Smith, he, like, breathes in and the whole hallway bends with his breath. It fucking yeah, rules. Yeah, it has to literally the code of Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they hit the EMP, they kill the squid, and then, yeah, he's making a phone call to somebody, you know, the someone in charge. Uh, they try to trace him, but they can't. And he's just like, this, I'm not here to tell you how it ends. I'm here to tell you how it begins. Uh, and yeah, it, it, he does the monologue that every kid my age would do as like a tryout monologue for Drama Club. <laughs> and then, yes, he flies away like Superman as uh, uh, New Metal plays. They play the Rage Against the Machine song. Yeah. Which Republicans also like, I guess. <laughs> Uh-huh. Even though it's about how the FBI killed Martin Luther King. <laughs> Is that actually what that song about? Yes. Oh, that rules. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They they were very generous in their assessments of police officers. Uh, what what are they? Some of those who work forces are the same that burn crosses. I see. Which is also a bad rhyme. Yeah, it doesn't rhyme. But that, that's The Matrix. The, the, the hit phenomenon, cyberpunk classic. Inspired years of cyberpunk nerds and MRAs. 
pilled is now a, a slang term. You can be matrix pilled. <laughs> you can be matrix pilled. You can take it full circle. Uh huh. I believe I'm living the matrix. Roko's basilisk now, a thing I believe. Mallory, do you believe in Roko's basilisk? I think uh, I've been building an AI in my room for months. And if if we don't help you build it, it will simulate us and torture the simulations of us. I never understood that. Why do I care if a if a different guy who's also me gets tortured? Whatever, that's fine. Well, he'll be so perfectly you that you won't be able to tell the difference. <laughs> but I will, because I'm me. Is the argument that I don't know that I am the- like, for all I know, I am the guy? Yeah, exactly. I see. Like, that this is the simulation and not the real world. Exactly. Or that you will get put in poison. I think a, like, upsetting number of people believe this, like, literally believe they're going to get put into a matrix pod at some point. Uh-huh. And, and, and any closing summarized thoughts about the matrix? Switch the yeah. <laughs> I think overall, good movie, real cool stuff in it. I definitely think it's got like, the script could have maybe used like a quick once over punch up, but you know, overall pretty good. Moves really fast. They cram a lot of stuff into this movie. Yeah, each act is like a different movie. Yeah, yeah. Like this whole thing is already a trilogy of movies. Would you, would you have watched the version of The Matrix where they cast Will Smith as Neo? Um, yeah, sure. I don't think Keanu Reeves does a bad job in this, but he's not, like, revelatory. Uh, what grade would you give The Matrix, Mallory? I would give The Matrix A. Come back to me and I'll have my best Hey, Luke, how about you? I think I'm going to go A-. minus. Uh, like I said, a lot of it really good. I think the main thing I'm digging it for is the romance stuff. If you're going to have it all hinge on the romance in the final moment, you gotta spend more time building up to it. I'm also going to give it a solid A. Leave room for the A-plus for Reloaded. I will be really interested how I feel about Reloaded. My justification was the romance, and also uh, I am stalking the yeah, reasonable. It gets talked about so seldom, but I feel like I need to keep bringing it up with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They really, there's kind of just no excuse for Cloud Atlas existing the way it does. Or, and it's very hard to Google these statements, but in like 2014, they did say that like people dealing with distracting the trans rights. Whoo, baby! Yeah, I didn't want to go on the, another rant like three or four years ago about how she blamed black people for bathroom bills. Yeah. I believe that's correct, yes. Yeah, like I said, they're very rich and very white, and uh, they will not let you forget either of those things. Finally, we have our questions segment. Kim asks, aren't Neo's steel mesh toed boots so fucking cool? I think about how much I want those boots more than anything else in the movie. It's a pretty cool fucking pair of boots. Pretty cool demonias. Uh, Turtle Ant asks, what's the first thing you'd use that brain download thing to learn? Ooh, yeah, What's if you could just learn a skill instantly, what would it be? Uh, for me, it would be uh, the ability to program more brain downloading things. That's a really smart one. A assume that's out of the way, though. Ooh, I guess it would be uh, how to speak English. I think you already know that one. How to speak French. You don't want to learn that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, how to speak uh binary hell yeah hell yeah. yeah 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 all right i can be a freaker with my own voice <laughs> i think i'm i'm gonna be boring i would just it'd be cool to just like instantly know how to draw really good i am not a fight nerd but i would genuinely just like to like be 
be able to download more sets of moves. Do you think, like, I, I think the answer to this is yes, but, like, Trinity downloads the helicopter pilot program. Does that translate out of the Matrix? Like, if they found a functional helicopter in the real world, could she pilot it? She can only pilot, like, 1990 helicopter. Right, she, she could probably only pilot that specific helicopter. Uh, I mean, how different can helicopters be? Uh, probably different enough. I mean, I have flown a Cessna airplane before, and I wouldn't want to fly, like, a 747. Okay, that's fair enough. Um... Chris asks, what do you think happens to astronauts who are in the simulation? Does the simulation include, like, the ISS and the moon? The moon landing was faked in the Matrix. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think anyone can go to the moon in the Matrix. I don't think they've simulated the moon. You think the moon is a skybox? I think the moon's a skybox, yeah. I think there's there's a whole program whose only job is every time they reload the Matrix, uh, when it hits the 60s, you have to fake the moon landing. Yes, that makes perfect sense to me. In the Matrix, do they have Kubrick helmet uh, in the Matrix? <laughs> no, Kubrick is the name of the program that generates the moon instance. No, that's it, right? You don't have to simulate the moon as part of the same simulation. They get into the spaceship... And the spaceship is, like, in modern video games when they, like, hide a loading screen behind, like, an elevator or something. While they load you out of the main matrix and into a simulation of the moon. Once per cycle, they can toss some astronauts up there. Tank asks, did Morpheus and his crew load in everything in that dilapidated building, including the very old and worn decor for aesthetic reasons? Or did they have to drive around to antique stores and estate sales to get that look? Which one was the main <laughs> interior designer? I don't think they can load objects into the Matrix. That doesn't seem within their capability. But they load clothes in. And guns. They do load guns in, you're right. Yeah, I guess they must. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's the same exact chair in the blue pill, red pill scene as it is in the, like, white void. So yeah, they must just load all that stuff in. Who do you think designed the character? Um... I'm just imagining Mouse working on it as with like Morpheus over his shoulder. No, no, no. Put a little more wear in the leather up on the top left there. That'll look cool. <laughs> you have to keep a close eye on Mouse when you leave him alone. But you can get good results. Right, right, right. Uh, AJ writes in, Joey Pants is the actual hero of the Matrix. Just read this verbatim. It is not a question. <laughs> okay. I disagree, but I do think Joey Pants adds a delicious spice to the movie. Joey Pants is a sympathetic character, which is not the same thing as him being the hero. Agreed. I think, you know, this might be a bit controversial. I think it is bad to turn in your anarchist commune to the FBI. Yeah, (laughs) agreed. But what if your anarchist commune is literally becoming white now? Even then. (laughs) Because then, no, because that's just your cell of the anarchist commune. You go to the, like, well, I guess you can't go to the guy in charge. That doesn't make it much of an anarchist commune. They're not an anarchist commune, unfortunately. Okay, the the ML commune. (laughs) Yeah, uh, right, there you go. You go up, you know, yeah, you go and talk to the fucking council in Zion and be like, hey, Morpheus is real fucked up and weird. The problem is that all the elders in Zion are also part of the cult. It's just poor Commander Locke trying to be like, I'm trying to run a fucking army here, guys. Are they part of the cult? I thought they weren't into all the Oracle 1 prophecy stuff. They were just like, it's a war. Stop treating it like a religious thing. No, the elders were the ones like, we gotta send multiple ships to look for Neo. Oh, okay, okay. And Locke's like, uh, the, the squids are gonna attack us. We need all the ships we can get. I see. Um, Lexi asks... Do you think Agent Smith's story about them making the first Matrix a paradise that humanity rejected is true? 
a lie intended to break Morpheus's spirit, or a misconstruing of an actual event filtered through his contempt for humanity. Well, the architect says the same thing in the next movie when he's talking to Neo, so it's not just a lie for Morpheus' sake. It could be either true and like, oh, they just made a perfect world where everybody has everything they want and people just like could immediately call bullshit on it because like that's just not, you know, how stuff works. Or it could be, you know, it was a perfect world according to the architect's definition of perfect, and that wasn't compatible with what people needed. It's like the Scriptures of Heaven, where it's like, yeah, everyone's hanging around, like, singing church hymns and uh, flying liars, and that's what a perfect world is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember where it's from, of, like, the heaven that is just everybody sitting in chairs, just kind of staring blankly. They're not, like, uh, brainwashed, or, like, they're not, like, brain dead or anything. You can talk to them if you want to, but, like, they have perfect contentment, so they have no desire to do anything than just sit there and stare off into space. Hell yeah. Uh, Crass asks, do you think you can get crossfaded on blue red? <laughs> I think that's actually the plot of Resurrections. Oh, it might be. He does take a lot of blue pills in that trailer, and then takes a red pill. Um, well, so, I think the blue pill is literally just a NyQuil. I think it just knocks you out so they can take you home. Uh, and the red pill is just a tracker so they can find you in the real world. And I guess it also wakes you up. So, yeah, I don't know if it'll be too fun. You, uh, wake up in the pod and frown because you can't stand up because you are asleep. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and then they'll flush you. The NyQuil doesn't have stimulants in it. Yeah, I mean, the red pill's not a pill. It's a program that they're giving you that, like, hacks your brain into waking up and also puts a tracker in your brain in the real world so that they can locate you and get you out of your pod. So if you're waking up and going to sleep at the same time, then I don't know. I, I think you drowned in your pod. It's tragic, but unavoidable. That's it for questions. All right. Luke, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SSJ Speed Racer. You can find other shows that I do on AudioEntropy.com, such as uh, Reprise Falls, a show where we're watching through uh, beloved animated Disney cartoon, Gravity Falls, and just getting more and more disappointed by it with every episode. Uh, you can also find me on Idle on Playtest. It's an actual play RPG campaign that I GM. Um, it's got two different campaigns that release in alternating weeks. Crystal plays on it. We're playing a game that me and my friend Molly have written ourselves, Eidolon, Become Your Best Self. It's based on Persona and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's a good show. It's a good game. It's a good time. Mallory, how about you? You can find me at Arcane Crystal. You can find me on Eidolon Playtest, as Luke mentioned. You can find me on the Book of Medora podcast, where we're currently doing a series called The Book of Aurora, about the Metroid series of video games. The episode on Metroid 2 slash another Metroid 2 remake slash Metroid Samus Returns just came out. Right, the, the Metroid podcast where you're working very hard to assert that no Metroid games are actually canon, and the actual Metroid canon is a bunch of games <laughs> that have never actually been made. <laughs> Well, it's just true if you think about it. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying I'm to say to have a a, a a a good faith debate. You, t <laughs> Crystal, you told me that Super Metroid is a remake of a game that doesn't exist. <laughs> That's nonsense. <laughs> it's 
Here's the thing, Luke. Here's the thing. I went into that show and I was like you. I was like, this is this is easy. The metro, the timeline's not complex. But Monica's the one that that brought me over to this. I listen. I've listened to the Book of Aurora. Uh, I'm like, I'm on board with the idea that maybe Zero Mission and NES Metroid are separate timelines. I will walk that far with you. The idea that Super Metroid is, again, a remake of a game that didn't get made is incoherent. <laughs> but, like, where the fuck did the Space Pirates come from? They came from fucking... What are you talking about? Samus <laughs> killed them. Samus <laughs> killed Ridley and Craig. We're clearly meant to understand one of two things. Either... Even though they, like, blow up or whatever in the original game, that's just the low-resolution NES graphics and they survive that fight somehow. Or, we know the space pirates fuck with cloning and shit. It's just a new iteration of those guys. We, we literally see multiple clones of Kraid in the lead-up to the Kraid fight. Like, you fight the NES Kraid and then you walk through a room and see the giant kaiju Kraid. And also, I think you fight the ghost of the original Mother Brain in that game, too. Where the fuck did Mother Brain come from? She's a she's like a corrupt Aurora unit or some shit. Or maybe I have that backwards. I don't know. I haven't I don't remember the Aurora unit lore. We should not uh hold Mallory hostage while we have this argument. Okay, and lastly, lastly, uh do you wanna hear our uh Matrix joke? Let me look one up. I will say while you're looking it up, uh I have a beef with the Matrix wiki, which is that uh like many wikis, it is written in past tense. Like I've got the agent page pulled up here and it's agents were sentient sla- uh, security slash eradication programs. I think if we're keeping with the bit, you got to write this in the future tense. Agents will be sentient security slash eradication programs. Oh yeah. It's a story set in the future. You got to use the future tense. All these Matrix jokes are so bad. As opposed to the Marvel jokes, which have been just, you know, perfect batting average. Um Like you you say that, Luke, but you're not seeing these jokes that I am. Alright, just give me one of the bad ones. Um uh what do you use to heal cuts in the Matrix? I don't know, Crystal. What do you use to heal cuts in the Matrix? Neosporin. <laughs> I kind of like that. Yeah, that was the best one. That wasn't even one of the bad ones. <laughs> Come on!